Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special spooky episode of the Hardcore Gamer Show, our twice-a-month show for gamers, made by gamers. I'm your hardcore host, Michael Koval. It's Sunday, October 10th, uh, 2021, and I've got an absolutely terrifying lineup of guests today. Joining me now are Vincent the Hook Hand. Ooh, I'm Captain Hook. <laughs> and Nathan Frankenweenie Ludol. Whoa. <laughs> uh, we've got a great show today. Of course, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. We'll go over some of our scariest moments from gaming. And we're going to round out the show with our Game of the Year Watch 2021. But first, it's a new month, and you know what that means. We've got a new game for our game club. Each month, we play a new game, gather our thoughts and yours, and vote to decide if the game can win our hardcore seal of approval in our game club episode airing at the end of each and every month. Listeners, you can play along with us by subscribing on the podcast service of your choice, and you can have your thoughts read on the show by sending an email to hgzgameclub at gmail.com. Last month, we were playing Insomniac Spider-Man. Uh, we had a great talk about the game. It was the first open-world game that we've reviewed, and I think the episode turned out fantastic, so make sure you check that one out. This month, uh, Vince had the pick for our game of the month. Vince, what are we playing this month? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, the, bet the best Metroidvania from 2019, it's Control. Hey That's uh, Remedy Games. Uh, Control. I think we're all playing the Ultimate Edition on PS5. But yeah, Jesse Faden, red hair, spooky uh, rubber ducks. <laughs> Nice. Uh, yes, Control. Uh, pretty fitting, pretty uh, spooky, mysterious game for October. So looking forward to getting in and playing some of that. Be on the lookout for that Game Club episode at the end of this month. But guys, the end of the month is still so far away. Let's start out by talking about what's been on our hardcore playlist recently. Nathan, why don't you tell me about what's been on your playlist? Yeah, so I'll keep it pretty short because we kind of went pretty good depth uh, into it last time. But I just finished and rolled credits on Deathloop for hey. one of the I nice. think three, three endings for it, something like that. Um, I won't spoil anything for it. But uh, you got the ending where Colt turned into a duck, didn't you? <laughs> I didn't. Oh, man, I wish. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Sorry, spoiler. Yeah, Nathan, having uh, kind of completed it, I think all of us now have completed it. What did you think of, uh, I guess, still without spoilers, what did you think of, I guess, just the game overall and kind of how it comes together um, through the whole package? Mm -hmm. I think, like, the overall, like, game loop is, like, a lot of fun. I think, like, you know, figuring out how to kill your targets and the, like, gunplay and, like, the actual, like, gamey side of things is, like, really good. I think it feels really good, too, uh, too especially with, like, ps5 controller or whatnot i think like the like where the game kind of falls apart for me personally is like some more of the character stuff and like the story elements of it kind of didn't hit quite as well especially when you get like towards the end or whatever um mm -hmm. some of the visionaries are cool but somewhere i expected a little more to happen and it just doesn't for whatever reason you know but and then like i don't know i i after I rolled credits for my ending, I was kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, that's it sort of feeling. And then I, like, looked it up and saw, like, the other ones. I was like, still, like, kind of, like, samey feelings with that. I was like, all right. Like, you have all this, like, great, like, world building going on. And it just didn't really stick the landing for me, I guess, in that respect. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I would totally play it again. Yeah, um... No, that's uh, that's interesting to hear you say that. I, I had similar feelings about kind of the end, and you know, it 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 doesn't really end on a, a really strong punch. You know, mm. uh, I I wonder uh, if maybe any of that has to do with just scope or time frame of development. Um, but mm. that uh, I think that'll be interesting to kind of bring up in our discussion a little bit later. We're going to be talking about um, you know, kind of some games that we think are going to be in the game of the year discussion. I think Deathloop will be there and uh, will be one that's kind of worthy of some of that discussion. 
Um, what one spoiler thing I do want to bring up that I was wondering if you guys noticed that mm-hmm. I thought was a cool Easter egg. The two pistols that yeah. you used to deck uh-huh. each other out. Those are from Dishonored. Mm-hmm. Well, if uh, if we're in spoiler territory, you had your chance to leave. Sorry, um, <laughs> I, I guess. Um, and I, I still don't think this is a crazy, crazy spoiler for uh, the main story. But I, 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 my theory is that that confirms that this game was actually just Dishonored three the entire time, because Juliana states that those pistols are from a museum, even meaning they're from that universe and that world. Mm-hmm. It's just from the past. So this game is confirmed in universe. Uh, it was just Dishonored three. Didn't you know Black Reef was off the coast of Karnaka? Uh, go back and look at the maps. <laughs> oh wait, I wonder if we can actually go back and look at the maps. Uh, that'd be uh, interesting. One thing I wanted to uh, mention just about like visionaries really quick is I agree with you, Nathan. A lot of the like big reveals in story are between like you know the main players of the game and it is kind of disappointing to see like some of these like smaller visionaries you end up finishing the game and there's a ton of like arcane polish and lore that you can find but for anyone just like playing the game to completion you know i don't know anything about at least three of these visionaries and there's eight of them so half of my roster i don't really know or like have too much of a uh inkling to learn about yes. it's a little disappointing yes and that's kind of where my question is like was this kind of their like how they wanted it to play or did it at all have to do with you know scope let's let's scope things down after they had gotten pretty ambitious because um, I think of like the very, very beginning, that very first like tutorial loop you do where mm-hmm. you go into that library or whatever and you have that full on interaction, that full on cutscene with Juliana where she's talking to you, you're talking to her, things mm-hmm. are happening. And you don't get, I don't think you get that type of moment with any of the other visionaries where you have what you would call in an in game cutscene interacting with them. You get some of those. Um, uh, kind of uh, comic style um, slides in between missions when uh, when Colt has like figured out some vital yeah. information and you know those are cool those are they're stylish but I, that's kind of what we get in place of um, some of what I would think are the more traditional like cutscenes that that you know were maybe used to from others but so yeah kind of kind of interesting there right. So uh, that's Deathloop. Still, I would say definitely worth checking out. Um, had a lot of fun playing it myself, but uh, has some of its uh, downfalls. Um, let's not take up too much more time. We did have that discussion, like you mentioned in our last episode, talking about this one a little bit. Vince, why don't you tell me uh, if you've been playing anything else recently? What's been going on with you? I have. I have uh, really been seeking sinking my teeth into uh, Ghosts of Tsushima. Um, And I would like to uh, just make a disclaimer. Uh, This is uh, not a spoiler, but if you're the kind of person that like goes into games like Dishonored, like Prey, like Deathloop, kind of wondering about like a morality path or something, the game sort of like poses this question to you about like honor as a samurai or like, dishonor and like innovation as the ghost where you use like kunai and bows and arrows and you sneak up and assassinate people you know like in a stealth game uh it gives you all of these tools but where in dishonored you're given kind of like a story punishment for using any of those tools uh ghost of Tsushima has uh a lot of that morality question baked into the story and when i came to that decision and like realization Oh, baby, I'm like a superhero of murder on this island. I am slaying everything. I got a perk that allows me to poison people with the uh, bell that I throw. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when they pick it up, they're poisoned. And it's just genius. I'm able to clear out a camp so quickly now. Uh, And I'm on to the third act. So I really think I'm rounding out that story. And I'm really looking forward to getting to Iki Island, too. Another great title. Um, 
Yeah, I, I really liked that uh, that game. I liked the way, like you mentioned, the game doesn't exactly punish you for like choosing the gameplay that you uh, want. And mm-hmm. um, it does this kind of cool thing where each time you learn a new like ghost skill, uh, I think the first time that you do a kill with that move, you'll mm-hmm. you'll get like a flashback or or uh, you know go inside Jin's mind just a little bit, being like, "Oh, how how could I do this? I wasn't yeah. supposed to be killing people this way." But Uncle's... then you go then you go right back to killing people that way. Yeah, Uncle always told me that I should never sticky bomb someone to death. <laughs> it's and not yet here. I am honorable, but then you can go back and sticky bomb and poison some more people. It's a very visually appealing game. From, oh, it's beautiful. And, and and I know this because all the gaming stuff I follow online, that is the only game that exists, apparently. So that's where all the screenshots <laughs> get forward to. Yeah, it's so cool seeing like some of these like different uh, locales on the island. I was very surprised when I moved to the second part of Tsushima that it did look visually distinct from the first part. Like more muddy more rice paddies like a lot more like water base you can definitely tell like geographically this is a place that gets more water and it shows i think a lot of times like even in uh open world games or you know games kind of of the scope you see a lot of like repeated textures you see a lot of repeated like looking areas but um i'm very happy to see that Tsushima is almost like a thriving community and like land and a place that looks uh livable and beautiful too. Oh man, all of the green, red, and like yellow leaves falling all over the place. Absolutely wonderful. I love that game's uh style and the art direction that they took. And uh yeah, like you just mentioned, the colors are just so vibrant and uh, all over the place in a in a really nice way um so that's that's really awesome that you're getting to experience have did you play uh the uh, ps4 release at all or is this your first time through on on playstation 5 now i did i did play a little bit of the ps4 release and uh, i'll tell you a small little story about how this went down i played the ps4 release uh, about uh sometime after the last of us 2 you know big like PS4 Pro sounding like a jet engine energy coming from this thing. That's just how it is. Um, I really do feel as if Ghost was a like tech demo for the PS5 or like kind of like this game belongs on the PS5. Um, it it doesn't look or feel like any different. Uh, the mm-hmm. game was already so impressive. Um, yeah, really, but it really loads late. instantly now, and yeah. I, don't feel like i'm running into things that like bugged me as much like it's a much easier game to play on ps5 uh and i think that's why i'm having a lot more playing it great um and i will just uh quickly mention to round out our playlist section here that i uh picked up tales of arise and that's kind of what i've been playing after uh finishing up with death loop uh recently i was looking for uh kind of a meaty big JRPG to uh, sink my teeth into and something to keep me busy. And man, I made a good choice, I think I can say, because I'm probably 10 plus hours into Tales of Arise at this point, and I'm having I'm having a really good time. The game has a really cool active combat system. It's sort of complicated in that there's a lot of things that you can do, but it's not that complicated in that most of your buttons do like one thing so you can press like almost any button but they do like one thing um but of course together and then with the party that you uh can get you you can get a party of people and um it's it's a lot of fun um definitely uh worth checking out if you're looking for like a an action jrpg um i'm incredibly interested in this i played the demo for a little bit and uh I really loved some of these like character interactions. I love the style. It looks great. When you pick up an item, it doesn't stall you. It's just like, you picked up this. I'm like, oh, wonderful. Amazing. Especially in like a JRPG, right? Like you got to get the menus down because you're going to be spending a lot of time in them. 
Yeah. Like... Oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Nathan. Well, I was going to say, I feel like it was kind of a quiet release um, here in the West, at least, just because it was smack dab in between, you know, games like Deathloop and then Metroid Dread, you know. So, For sure. And I, I've heard I've... good things, like, across the yeah. board, really. And I've never, uh, you know, had much interest in the Tales series and didn't know if it's, like, one that you need to be following or what before I, you know, looked into it and picked this one up. And uh, as far as I know, they are sort of a anthology-like where uh, they're not necessarily related one after the other. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's good to just jump in uh, at this one. But, yeah, the, the graphics look great. You know, it's got the full-on... Uh, PlayStation 5 next-gen versions um, and the animations when you're in the fights uh, that's that's what you're kind of there for it's it's beautiful and there are effects and looks really cool uh, the only thing I will say Vince is uh, the only negative is that there are these character moments that completely like stop the game and grind oh, it yeah. to a halt where the, the like comic section yes you do you have like these character moments when characters have something to say to each other instead of just talking like over the overworld like exploration you press r1 to like activate conversations and it goes it, it stops and goes into like a comic style like one person shows up and then they have some dialogue you know it shows up the next person has some dialogue and it just completely grinds everything to a halt for those character moments and some of those are like good stuff that you're interested in and want to see but I don't know if that's, you know, just those Japanese games. They love to stop yeah. gameplay and pop up a menu or something. Um, well, that's man. fine. I'll just put some tape over my R1 and then <laughs> never have to worry about it. I I just, myself, like, I would love to see that be more fluid. You know, I think it's it's way more impressive to have cutscenes that kind of flow into the gameplay and right out, right back out, or something um so those are the only things that i'm i'm uh, kind of down on is is those character moments that that pause the game like that um but otherwise that one is definitely worth checking out especially if you were like me looking for like a big meaty uh rpg to sink your teeth into i i think this one is quality and worth your time all right uh, it is officially spooky season out there, uh, so we're going to talk about some of our scariest moments from gaming. Now, these can be scripted jump scares, uh, moments that filled us with the dread of what's to come, or even moments from non-horror games that give us a good scare. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I think games can generate some of the best horror experiences um, because of the interactivity. You know, when things are happening to your avatar, those things are happening to you. You're not just watching, you're living the experience. So, uh, let's see. Nathan, I like some of your choices here. I'm going to throw it to you first. Tell me about one of your scariest moments from gaming. Yeah, I'll go into, like, the first, like, real, like, practical horror game I ever played, which was Dead Space 1. Um, I'd heard... a. So going to this, I just bought my 360 and uh, I was looking around at like, I think it was like a C game exchange or something like that. And I saw that and I was like, oh, that looks cool. Like, I'll check it out. Knowing like absolutely nothing at all, like about it, popped it in and I was like, okay, there's aliens. I'm going to a ship. That's cool. You know, and I'm like, oh, is this like an engineer guy? Uh, all right. Like this, I, I doubt there's going to be anything too like crazy going on. <laughs> And anybody who's ever played like Dead Space or know anything about it, the that the first twenty minutes of that game is a big shock. Needless to say, you uh you go in expecting to repair this ship in the middle of space, and you quickly find out that everybody's dead, and the only thing alive is a bunch of uh, terrifying aliens with uh, horns and everything sticking out of them. And I just just seared into my brain just going up and seeing like the blood on the walls and like people like you know begging for help and just encountering one of the necromorphs for the first time and i'm just like what yes absolute shit is that Dude. yes the necromorphs man what a great great monster um 
I was shoot off uh, their limbs. You gotta shoot off the limbs. Yeah, Dead Space. Um, I know that one was a super scary game. I think for a lot of people, I think it took people by surprise a little bit when it came out. And one of the things I remember is how well they played with your expectations, mm -hmm. um, because there are like some very obvious vents around, and you are like walking, and you're like, I know something's coming out of these vents. Mm -hmm. But nothing ever comes out of the vents just until you're ready to like drop that you think something's going to come out of the vents and then something comes out of the vents. One of the uh, scary necromorph moments I remember from like pretty early in the game is uh, just rounding a hall and seeing someone like either with no limbs or like limp limbs banging their head against the wall until they kill themselves slump over. Dude what the hell <laughs> it was crazy i i 13 year old me was forever scarred and forever interested in anything horror yeah that's uh for sure the type of experience that will stick with you vince let's uh let's go to you next tell me about one of your scariest moments all right i i gotta come clean when I was a child, I had a GameCube. I had a couple games. One of the ones I got for Christmas was uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> you know, movie tie-in games usually aren't like very good, uh, but they're almost never scary. Well, uh, and this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, whatever. Um, now's, your, yeah, now's your chance. Leave <laughs> yeah, now. Get out. Um, so after you uh, accidentally flew powder into Nocturne Alley, you have to go through like a um, like a bookstore, like a potion store, like an old like shop of horrible antiques that Malfoy and his dad are going to for some reason. And then you have to go grab something from under a glass case. I believe it's a book that you need for like school. And um, as you're going around that case there's a man just you know the shopkeeper kind of like rounding the bookshelves this is a very like famous tactic in a video game just like avoid being seen but when he saw you he like almost shrieked at you in the worst voice imaginable and like <laughs> it, the audio cue was so poorly uh that it scared the absolute hell out of me every single time I saw it as a child. I think I tried playing that game again when I was 15, and I was like, damn, of course this scared me. This is awful. This is so <laughs> scary. Man just jumps out and yells at you, and he, like, runs across the room to, like, get you if he saw you from the corner, you know? Oh, it's bad. It's no and, good. Uh, and is that why you've never been back to a bookstore ever since? That's right, Michael. I uh, unlearned how to read because <laughs> that moment scared me so much. Oh, man. That's a pretty good one. And I can only imagine the graphics uh, help out in that situation as well. Where Oh, yeah. I see <laughs> like this man made of sharp corners running at me. I don't talk. It's up. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Uh, perfect. It sounds like the, the line is seared into your memory forever as well. I don't know. <laughs> I was barely thinking. <laughs> Maybe you blacked it out. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'll go into my first one here. I've played a few scary games. I like scary games. And uh, one of the scary games that I remember scaring the heck out of me was the first Outlast game. Now, this is a first-person survival horror game, um, and uh, it's it's one of these ones where you don't have... There's no combat. There's no uh, offensive abilities. Uh, you're playing as a, a investigative journalist. Uh, you go to uh, this abandoned insane asylum, right? And uh, one of the uh, things that you bring is your uh, camcorder. And your camcorder has uh, night vision that you can turn on. So this this is the only thing that you're using to help you see in the dark spaces. And one of the game mechanics is even um, that you need to find more batteries uh, to keep to keep your camcorder powered so you can see in the dark. 
and there's a moment in the game where you're a little bit farther in, you've made it up to like the third floor of the asylum, and some of the floors are dilapidated, you know, holes in them. Uh, you're being chased by these guys, and you make this jump over some of the flooring, and you drop your camera, and you see it slide down uh, the wood, and it falls down uh, through the floor of even the floor uh, below you into the dark basement below. And the feeling of just absolute dread when the only solace that you had was this camcorder that was helping you see in the dark just slips away uh, and falls into the basement. It was awful because, one, you can't see in the dark. Two, you no. need to go get that camera. No. And it's in the dark. Uh, so nothing, nothing good happens. Uh, nothing good happens to your character that entire game. But that was... Uh, probably one of the scariest moments that I can remember, not because of uh, just the jump scare specifically, but uh, yeah, that absolute dread that comes over to you of of knowing what just happened was very well done. No monsters touch me while I'm trying to go get this camera. And so, wait, the camera the camera isn't like the the lens by which you like see the game. It is a tool you use to like navigate. It is a tool, so you can you can bring it up and you can put it back down. Oh my god! Um, so you literally drop your flashlight. Yeah. So you it it, it had been serving as your flashlight basically, and uh, you do drop it. So now you're stuck in a scary asylum, uh, not able to see in the dark. Excellent. Also, wow. to add to that, you're surrounded by a bunch of uh, naked men, and that was the first video game I uh, saw an in-game wiener in. Whoa. Yeah, the game unapologetically has uh, naked male figures, full frontal. So well, if you're into that, <laughs> if you're into that sort time. of thing, yeah, yeah. Uh, so check that one out. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nathan, let's uh, swing back to you. Tell me about another time that a game has scared the pants off of you. Yeah, so I changed this one. I originally was going to go with something else, but I thought in the back of my head. Uh, Vince's uh, recollection of like kind of like a non-scary game being like having a terrifying moment made me realize like, oh my God, Ocarina of Time, Shadow Temple. That entire sequence is horrifying mm -hmm. in 64-bit. You wouldn't expect it that this blocky ancient game would still terrify me. So I, I played through Ocarina of Time a couple of years ago all the way through for the first time. And when I got to the sequence, I realized it's just a little bit darker. You know, there's ghosts, there's like there's murder. And the music's there's one weird too, right? The music's off-putting. And you actually, in order to enter the Shadow Temple, you have to go through a graveyard. So the whole oh, like yeah. sequence is just spooky. It just reeks of it. And there's one particular moment. Um, and for anybody who's like played Ocarina of Time, you know what i'm talking about where you come across this like creature in the temple that has a stupid long neck and it's like this white like pale figure with a large body mass for the lower half and the tall neck for the other and it just has like this dagger teeth and i, I don't care if the graphics are outdated i i was like <laughs> the entire time i was playing through i was like what the hell is that what 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 what, what? like trying to figure out what the heck the game designers like we're going for here like and yeah it's still creepy to this day terrifying i'm seeing a bit of a theme with some of the older graphics uh some of the ideas that maybe they didn't have uh, all of the pixels that they wanted for ended up being even creepier because of it it's just yeah. uncanny valley it just works you know games from childhood just making a like scar across your brain <laughs> that you can touch and instantly feel fear and i, I remember uh, zelda being pretty scary as well you know uh, from my young childhood yeah. uh spiders I, yeah and i think even just uh in the uh in the overworld in hyrule field once it becomes night right there's zombies just like come out of the ground and attack you constantly Mm -hmm. honorable mention in the zelda universe is the first like 10 minutes of Majora's mask when you like become the deku kid and like have this complete meltdown and it's like it's horrifying as well just the whole zelda universe is just meant to scar kids i guess it's mm -hmm. actually a secretly a horror franchise i believe it <laughs> all right uh vince 
we are back at you. Tell me about another scary moment. All right. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I want, this game uh, was a game I played to death when I finally got it. But even before that, I played the demo like 20 times. I'm talking about Bioshock, baby. I'm talking about the absolute first time you see a splicer and it jumps in front of the pneumatic tube or whatever you're in, the bathosphere, mm-hmm. and uh, you only see it for a second. And then it starts scraping against the metal, trying to get into the bathosphere. And then I think immediately after you leave, you have like two or three more uh, splicer scares. And I was like not that young at the time, but this was the first time I felt in a video game I was like being put into a dangerous scenario. Like this is something that I could foreseeably not overcome. Um, little did I know they were just thugs and I would be blasting them with a shotgun and zapping them with water, really <laughs> just torturing these things for the next 20 hours. Um, but they still scared me. And especially, um, I forget the name of the guy, but the artist who has them encased in the plaster. Uh, some of those uh, people are still alive and they're just covered in plaster. Some of them are statues and some of them will move. They will hit you. And it sucks. <laughs> it scared me so badly. Yeah, nice. Yeah, dude, Bioshock for me too. That's that's one that uh, those those first few minutes are like encased in my in my memory. I'll, I know exactly that scene you're talking about when you're mm-hmm. kind of entering Rapture for the first time and that splicer gets on top of your bathysphere and you're like, what is going on? I don't know anything yet. Uh, but all I know is that it's scary. And uh, yeah, I think they do such a great job kind of building uh, the atmosphere and uh, those first few moments of once you do get into Rapture, uh, kind of seeing, I think, the shadows of some splicers, you know, skitter away. And you're like, these people are not normal. They are not. This is not good. This is not, not good. Friends. <laughs> Just the way that game does like the audio tapes and like when you're first going down the uh, bathosphere and how well that speech Andrew Ryan gives like syncs up with you seeing Rapture is just a super awe-inspiring moment. Yeah, yeah, monumental in game presentation. And I think you're right, Nathan. Some of that like audio juxtaposition is like pretty incredible because for the most part you're hearing like up until that moment like grainy audio. You're seeing the little picture to the side, maybe if speaking to you uh it's kind of just like a oh i know what to expect so when you hear the like loud visceral crunching of metal and the cackle of a splicer moves like a shadow off to the corner of your screen just terrifying absolute like what a what a like 10 out of 10 opening for horror yeah uh bioshock that first one really some master class of atmosphere mm-hmm um so to tell you about another one of my experiences my uh second scary moment is actually from a sequel to uh one of nathan's scary games uh dead space 2 uh this game this whole series is a very scary very scary series um and i I almost feel like uh, i can just say uh the sun and if you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about uh, but what if I don't? If you don't, I'll go ahead and tell you. Uh, this game is already so super spooky. You have made it to a space station now instead of just a spaceship. Um, so there's, I think there's kind of more varied environments that you're going through. You end up walking through this uh, like daycare. Uh, and uh, guess what? There's creepy baby necromorphs. Oh, why would you say that? Yeah. <laughs> And if that wasn't terrible enough, like the worst jump scare that I've ever had in my entire life happens <laughs> in this daycare. You're going through like this stage area and uh, you're kind of it's it's kind of a calm moment. Right. And then, boom, this sun, this happy faced sun on like a stage arm, like swings out right in, t- in front of your face and like 
just to jump scare you. And there's no enemies there. It's not a threat in itself. It's just this happy, <laughs> creepy looking sun that pops out in front of you. And I had to have jumped straight off the couch when this happened. <laughs> I because, flew through the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, like I said, this was the scariest jump scare. And you're laughing right after because you're like, what just happened? This wasn't even I a monster. God. Yeah, they they straight got me. Um, but I, I will always remember that moment because I was so terrified. It's all, like I said, it's such a creepy setting already. You're going through the daycare. You're just waiting for you know these creepy baby little necromorphs are coming for you. And this sun just pops out to, just, to, just to give you a good scare. <laughs> yeah, I don't want it. That series as a whole, and like I mentioned, those necromorphs, just what a great uh, creation and enemy that you have to fight uh, through that series. Nathan, let's uh, swing back to you one more time here. I think we've each got uh, at least one more to talk about. Why don't you tell me about your final moment? Schwangin. Uh, yeah, my last moment is from the Last of Us game. And this game, like, isn't, like, super scary, I think, for the most part. But there are definitely, like, cool, like, creature moments as well as, like, human enemy moments that happen that are a bit disturbing, right? And, like, can be a bit unnerving. But there's one specific spot in the game where it just completely unhinged me for whatever reason. But it's the moment where I can't remember quite what happens in the story, but uh, Joel falls like through the floor, essentially, and is like ends up at the bottom of like this like building and has to like find his way through it. But there's like water and there's clickers everywhere and plus whatever those big bulbous creatures are that just release spores. And there's no light. You don't, like, you have, like, little to no light. And all you, like, hear is just the ambiance of, like, the water and the clickers, like, clicking around. And I wanted to poop my pants that entire time. And it's a miracle. It never happened. But, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that whole game just is, makes you feel a certain way. But, yeah, I, I one of the most terrifying moments I've ever had in video games, easily. And that, I know that one you're talking about. And there's a generator that you have to go start yep. to op- to open the oh, door no. uh, to yeah. open the the door to proceed. Not and, a generator. Yeah, I know, and it's and it's uh it's that psychological dread too, where like you know this generator is gonna start the noise and start yeah. the party and bring out bring all the clickers to your position. But you also got to turn it on. You got to get it turned on to open the doors and maybe get some more light in here. And I think the game, you know does okay at giving you the resources and like uh weapons that you need to fight back in situations but i think that is one where it's uh, just really good atmosphere and a really good feeling of like hey you might be a little overwhelmed here because it's dark and it's scary and you're all alone um that's some good stuff love the last of us uh, some scary moments in the sequel as well but vincent I I'm I'm a big fan of your last option oh, yeah. here. Tell me about it. Yeah, dude. Uh I'm talking about well, I shouldn't really even go here. We don't really go there. I'm talking about We don't, we don't go there. Yeah. I'm talking about Ravenholm, baby. I'm talking about Half-Life 2 and uh right after you get the gravity gun, you are in um I want to say like the worst haunted mansion theme park of all time it is just absolutely awful uh being in raven home you are just surrounded by zombies with face huggers um and luckily you're given a bunch of like saw blades at your disposal to like throw at people i think you get like a saw blade trap at some point or you can set up a saw blade trap who knows um but yeah, I remember going into this place and seeing the large courtyard and like spending uh more than uh, a few hours just trying to figure out like how I should navigate this thing cuz I was scared. I didn't want to get hit with a zombie. I didn't want to come jump me and I'm also pretty sure that's where they added like the red zombies, the ones that were incredibly aggressive and could and jump fast. Like- Mm-hmm. across buildings yeah get right on top of you um yeah man i think half-life 2 is an underrated horror game 
and it's a pity that it's not uh, more accessible on console, although, I mean, it runs on any PCs. Not really too large of a loss. Yeah, dude, Ravenholm, what a, what a great moment. And yeah, I would say, like, this weird kind of turn that uh, Half-Life Half 2 takes where the game really isn't a horror game. There are kind of some spooky monsters, but all of a sudden, uh, you know, you hear... You hear as you're going into this place, we don't go to Ravenholm. Yeah, Alex is so deadly serious about it. Like, we're just stopping by, like, near here because I don't want to get anywhere close to Ravenholm. And then you, Gordon Freeman, are abandoned at Ravenholm for a section. I don't know, like, how this starts. I'm sure it is, like, you know, same thing as all video games. You walk across the plank and Alex does it fine. But as soon as you go, it breaks. And now you're stuck in Raven home because no one's going to throw you a rope. Like, yeah, it's a, oh, what a great level. Yeah. And also, uh, like you mentioned, so much fun playing with the gravity gun. Yeah. Uh, and the, the early physics of Half-Life 2. Um, great, great moment. And uh, yeah, I'll remember that one for a long time as well. Um, so running out of time, just a little bit, I'll quickly mention, uh, my final moment and that has got to be from a game that is, uh, already spooky by itself, uh, Resident Evil 7, uh, another one, um, that I think just has a great atmosphere. They do a lot of setup to, uh, get you spooked and, uh, scared out of your mind, sort of right at the very beginning of this game. Um, it's another first-person horror survival one, and uh, you're in this southern plantation house that's sort of run down, uh, running from this crazy family. And uh, there's a moment early in the game where uh, the father of the family is chasing you around uh, the sort of main uh, house area, and you you kind of turn out through this one door and there's a straight hall in front of you and if you check the map even maybe you're like okay there's no other doors i can run down this hall you start running down this hall and uh jack baker just kool-aid mans through his own <laughs> wall this own portion of his wall to cut you off and break into that hallway from the the main living room and <laughs> it was so terrifying you're like oh snap i gotta turn around i gotta figure out another way to run from this guy <laughs> yeah, because he, nothing is nothing is stopping him I played this game like three or four months ago, just in like a weekend, you know, and, uh, you know, the same, same exact thing happened. He like burst out and I either like yelped or like tossed my headphones. One <laughs> of the two. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, that is a, some spooky stuff and a scary man is coming your way. Hey everyone. Thanks for checking out the Hardcore Gamer Show. If you made it this far into the show, you might be a hardcore gamer too. Consider telling a friend about the show, subscribing, or leaving us a review. It really helps us out, and you can help other hardcore gamers find us too. You can write to us at hgzgameclub at gmail.com with questions, comments, game club recommendations, or anything that could make the show better. And we'll read it right here on the show! Now, back to the rest of the episode. Now, it's getting pretty late into the year already, which means it's time for Game of the Year Watch 2021. Uh, there have been a number of great titles released this year, but only one can be Game of the Year. Now, I think we'll have time to announce our individual top games uh, of the year later, but for now, what I thought we'd do is take a look at some of the best-reviewed games from this year and say what we think. If we've played them, uh, if it's one we're still trying to get in before the end of the year, um, and if we think it deserves to be in Game of the Year discussion. Um, so to help us out, we're going to be looking at Game Informer's top-reviewed titles from 2021. Um, you may not fully agree with the review score, and it's not an all-encompassing list, but it should help us out for our purposes here. And it was much less confusing than looking at the Metacritic list from 2021. So if you do want to check out this list or follow along, you can go to GameInformer.com forward slash top reviews 2021. All right. So let's start off with uh, Game Informer's highest reviewed game of this year, Returnal. 
this was one I played on PS5 earlier, released April 30th, 2021 this year. Uh, they've got it at a 9.5. Uh, did you guys uh, get a chance to play this one? I did. I played uh, what I would consider to be quite a bit of Return um, and still didn't really make any way through the story. I say I feel like I've played quite a bit, but I didn't really get that far because these runs take too darn long and they leave you with not a lot when you die. <laughs> yeah, it it does have those roguelike elements. Nathan, did you get a chance uh, to play this one? So I haven't played this one, one, because I'm kind of a cheap ass, but two, I have been kind of, uh, it was off-putting when I saw that there was like no saving whatsoever unless like in, in between runs, like you just had to do the full run or nothing. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, like, you know, with my roguelikes, I need like some sort of save feature because, you know, PS5, for whatever reason, if it's updates or whatever happens, power goes out you are out of luck after we start the entire run. And that kind of has steered me away from it for a while. That seems like a critical oversight, mm-hmm. you know? Well, yeah, I just, and yeah, go ahead. I just like saw like people like try like at first, like trying to defend it is like, oh, it's a rogue, like in the traditional sense, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you go, go to you're done. But I was like, you know, why? <laughs> yeah, we, and... we have the technology. You don't you don't need to make this like super try hard like Well, I was in that camp a little bit uh towards the start of that like argument as well because I was like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I I kind of get it, but it was uh Kirk who reminded me he really likes a lot of roguelike games and he was the one that reminded me, you know, Slay the Spire, Hades, like these are these games all have that system where you can save uh, and then pick back up mid run. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just something that you have to do sometimes. Not you, you have to stop. Uh, sometimes everybody's got mm-hmm. life uh, that that happens. But uh, so I know that that was kind of a, a downer for a lot of people. But I'm really high on Returnal as well. I think um, that one's going to be up there in my list. Uh, uh, I think it's got a good shot. But um, yeah, it has some elements uh, like you know people not being able to complete it probably that i think are are going to give it some hits you know mhm continuing down the list uh a few games that that was the only title that game informer had rated at a 9.5 going down to their 9.25 uh, we've got it takes 2 uh from hazelight uh, i know this was one that people were really excited about earlier this year that one came out march 26th uh, Nathan, did you get a chance to play this one? I have. Um, I've been playing it alongside my girlfriend, and we haven't completely finished the campaign, but boy, boy, this is uh, probably my favorite co-op game ever. Like, ever? Ever, yeah. I I think the like platforming and like puzzle-solving mechanics are like super well done. It's really mm-hmm. gorgeous. Like uh, You play as like, dolls, and I think they get all the textures right in that respect. And the story's really good. Like, I think it's a really, like, meaningful story about a couple, like, kind of, like, airing out their dirty laundry in a kind of childlike way. But it's, uh, yeah, I I really love this game. Um, if only it was this much fun to get in a fight with your significant other in real life. <laughs> That's the tagline. <laughs> um... Put it on the box and print it. Uh, Nathan, uh, well, actually, Vince, did did you get a chance to play this one? I didn't. I really do want to. Um, my partner, my girlfriend, Megan, shout out Megan, I love you. Uh, she is not much of a gamer, um, and even playing something like Overcooked requires a lot of uh, focus and like a little direction. And I've seen some of the gameplay of It Takes Two, and it looks kind of uh, involved. So... I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll give it a shot when it hits that uh, sweet deal uh, era. But for now, um, it looks like a very fun game that I want to play. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in the same boat uh, with you, Vince. My fiance, Caitlin, uh, not a not a hardcore gamer herself exactly, but um, we've started the first like three hours maybe so i'm slowly making my way through it but nathan do you think it's one uh that you would put in your top games do you think it deserves to be in game of the year discussion 
Oh, most definitely. I mean, just for like what it accomplishes as like a duo uh, single story campaign, it's very, very well done. And I hope like more spawn in this genre, like true, mm -hmm. like duo co-ops. Awesome. Um, so pretty high praise for that one. Next on our list, uh, also getting a 9.25 was Resident Evil Village. Uh, this was another one that came out uh, kind of early this year, May 7th of 2021. Um, was this one that you guys played, Vince? Did you uh, play any Resident Evil? Not yet. Uh, I want to. I'm desperately wanting to play this game uh, after my very fun uh, Resident Evil uh, 7 run. Um, I, I'm wanting more of it. I think whoever this dude is, I forget his name, Ethan? Ethan? Ethan. Rogers? Ethan? Ethan? Yeah, he's a, he's a sick, nasty freak, and I can't wait to get a back in control of this bad boy. Nathan, did you get a chance to play this one? I haven't gotten a chance either. Um, I've been right. eyeballing it for a while, though, but it looks, it looks great. Yeah, man, Resident Evil 8 Village, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, super, super good. I really liked it as a follow-up to 7. Man, Vince, Ethan is like the biggest turd I ever. love it. He is so I, freaking lame, dude. <laughs> I love that he's just the stupid action star. I think we need more. I think we need more himbo, actually. <laughs> I I would be lying if I didn't say I would. You know, I'm slightly enticed to play because of the uh, giant vampire lady that the <laughs> internet has so fallen in love with, including myself. Uh, lady D, step on me, please. <laughs> All right. Um. Can I bring up, since uh, we have a couple more on here, mm -hmm. uh, I want to get to this one at the bottom here uh, for you, Michael. Uh, yeah. Yakuza Like a Dragon. Now, I haven't played it. Uh, I think Nathan hasn't played it. Uh, but you were telling me uh, earlier that because this launched on PS5, you're going to want to nominate it for Game of the Year. Uh, even though its initial release date was November, who cares? Um, I I had uh, I had decided that I wasn't until you told me that you were going to put Ghost of Tsushima director's, director's cut. cut. Oh yeah, <laughs> on, on your short list. Uh, so I said, all right, gloves off. If we're doing director's cut upgrade type deals, then I'm definitely talking about Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, yeah, the initial release was November 10 of 2020, actually. So I'm not sure that it will fully count for, I don't know, Game Awards discussions, say. But uh, for a game that uh, PlayStation 5 version came out in March 2nd of 2021, and that's when I played it. Man, this game is really high up there on my list. I thought it was a blast all the way through. Ichiban is one of my favorite characters now. Um, so that one, that one's definitely getting some high praise from me. Also in our 9.25 section here from Game Informer, so it is uh, well received. And uh, I think both of you guys would actually like that one a lot. I'm sure. I, I'm sure I would love it. I'm really dying <laughs> for a JRPG. Like I mentioned, not sure if that one will make its way into all of the uh, Game of the Year discussions. I think Resident Evil 8 um, does deserve to be up there in kind of some of those discussions. I th thought it was a another strong entry in the series and really, really good looking uh, on next gen. I played it on PS5. Good stuff. Let's see. Uh, I want to make sure we get to some of these other ones that I know we've played. Uh, Nathan or Vince, did you get a chance to play Super Mario 3D World with Bowser's Fury at all? No. I did. Okay. okay, yeah. Nathan, tell me. What do you think of that? Uh, it's cool. I mean, like, if you played the original Wii U version, it's basically the same as that. Um, still really fun. Still, like, chaotic as all heck if you play with other people. Bowser's Fury, though, is, like, the real highlight of this. It's a... That's a really fun, like, kind of short uh where you want to call it side quests or whatever you mini game but it's a uh, yeah i mean that's a cool glimpse into like another version of mario that i hope nintendo like goes down more because i'm here for it and that's the only new game part of this new game the rest of it is just a game from like 20 what 13 it is. There's like little subtle improvements they made to it. Like all the characters run a little bit faster now and like just like little like 
modifications here and there, but it, it is essentially the same game. So I pose the question to you now, would you put that uh, or even consider it for a Game of the Year type discussion for 2021 releases? I will die on this hill. No, uh, <laughs> no, I, I probably wouldn't. Like, yeah. All right. Uh, continuing on, let's get down a little bit further down the list. These are the nines from Game Informer here, but we start off with one that I'm really high on, and that is Death's Door. Uh, this was an Xbox and PC exclusive that uh, released in July 20 of this year. Uh, and it's kind of a three-quarters camera angle, whatever you want to call that, bird's eye, isometric, uh, Zelda-like. Uh, and uh, Game Informer gives it a nine here. This is one, like I said, I was really high on. I enjoyed the heck out of this game. Very well-polished, very beautiful graphics. Uh, and I just wish uh, it was on more platforms so more people could play it because uh, I thought it was a really great release this year, and that one's going to be high up there for me as well make gpus or xboxes more available but you know who's, yeah who's complaining <laughs> there's no way that they're just gonna leave this thing as an xbox exclusive right i mean it's published by devolver digital they probably want to get this thing out to other people as quickly as possible yeah i i i hope so i i really hope um i really want more people to play that one because yeah, I I was so just filled with joy playing it, you know, that all I could think was like, this is so great. This is so great. I love everything about it. Next on the nines here, we've got a recent release, uh, Deathloop from Arcane. Uh, this one came out September 14th, and we all just kind of finished playing that one recently. Um, and I think you've heard our thoughts if you've been listening to the last couple of episodes. <laughs> so I'll simply ask what you guys think of it as far as does it deserve to be in the game of the year discussion and is it going to be high up on your list? Vince, I'll throw it to you first. I think uh, it'll be in the discussion. I think it should be in the discussion. Uh, I don't believe that this will be game of the year. I think it's a, uh, a little... Um, a little, uh, ooh, gosh, it's so hard to talk about this without sounding uh, like I know everything about video games and I could just make a game like this in my sleep. I obviously couldn't. But there's something that like left me wanting uh, in this game, you know, coming from Arcane, uh, wanting a little bit more lore, wanting a little bit more to do in the multiplayer. I really got a kick out of uh, playing Juliana. Definitely smoked Nathan a couple times. <laughs> I came um, just for your jibblers, but go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I do believe that this should be in discussion for game of the year. It is certainly one of the like highest polished, like best feeling games to play that has come out this year. Nathan, you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it like just the uh, gameplay loop is just so unique and well done that I think, yeah, it, it It'd be dumb not to at least have it in there. And uh, I will third that motion that it should be in this, the discussion at the very least. Uh, very, very well polished game. And yeah, like feels really good to play for sure. Maybe has some story shortcomings or uh, some other things that maybe you would want a little bit more out of. So that will be interesting to see how that discussion goes. But... Let's get to maybe another one that we've had the chance to play. Okay, perfect. Here's one that I want to shout out because I think it is being criminally underrated and slept on, and that's Hitman 3. Well, um, I thought you were going to say Dodgeball Academia, and I was going to 100% agree with you there, but you know, you, you do you. I'd be sleeping. You guys are sleeping if you're not playing Hitman 3. This is still one of the best-looking games on next-gen right now. All of the environments are so beautiful, and the ray tracing is crazy in some of the levels. They've even gone back and remastered all of the levels from 1 and 2, uh, and there are, there are some really great environments. Um, the, the Paris level is one of the first levels uh, that came out in... in uh, pack one whatever you want to call the first game uh redone in the three engine with the ray tracing it's so beautiful and you're walking through this big ballroom uh, and seeing the reflections on all the floors uh and it has a lot of the uh stuff that i like about death loop where these levels are they're kind of puzzles you go in and figure out okay how can i 
get into the room that I need to get into? And how can I distract this guy just at the right time to pull off this assassination um, without being spotted or or whatever? Um, so I, I've had a lot of fun with that one. It's, it's so well done. Um, I think it's a great package if you're uh, picking up three. So that's one that uh, is going to be on my list again for sure. Uh, I don't think you guys have gotten a chance to play it, but again, please do. Let's get a couple more in just before we run out of time. Uh, Kana, Bridge of Spirits. Uh, another nine from Game Informer. Vince, I think maybe you're the only one that's gotten a chance to play this one. Uh, mm -hmm. What are your thoughts as far as Game of the Year? Uh, I I could be seen as a hater, but I think this is a fairly uh, uninspiring to play game for me. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, other games, um, and it looks better than a lot of other games, but it doesn't really feel better. It doesn't really play better. The story is broad, um, and I think that is... Uh, fine to a point, but um, a lot of reviews are saying you don't really get to know Kana as a person. That's true. That is 100% true, and it's a bummer when her name is, like, you know, the first word in the title. For me, mm -hmm. Game of the Year conversation, I don't think so. Uh, so that was hgzgameclub at gmail.com. Put uh -huh. attention Vincent in the <laughs> subject line. That's right. Uh, a couple... <laughs> Send me a picture of a knife and I'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> a couple more that I, I need to mention. I need to get in a little talk about them because uh, I think they're, again, going to be up there. Uh, Vince and I were talking just before we started recording. It's, it's kind of going to be a tough year. There's a, a lot of great releases, but um, Psychonauts 2. Uh, Vince, I know this is one that Ooh. you and I were both high on. Nathan, I know you're interested in this one. Uh, Vince, what do you think as far as Game of the Year? 10 out of 10. Play it again. 10 out of 10. I, yeah, I think it's in the conversation. I think this is the best three platforms to come out in years. So uh, wild to me that an indie studio was able to make it like right as they were bought by the largest uh, like tech and video game company like in the industry, you know? Yeah, super interesting uh, development tale. Um, started as a, uh, a fig uh kickstarter whatever uh, the fig is separate from kickstarter but yeah fig project whatever uh ended up getting bought by microsoft the development team uh over at uh double fine uh and released as a not exclusive still um no so strange but yes very very good game that i think uh definitely deserves a lot of high praise and is going to be uh maybe the front runner for a lot of people for a game of the year so definitely uh one worth checking out and playing as well on uh, on that same uh sort of note of these uh platformer games is ratchet and clank rift apart this is one i was very high on earlier this year as well just a great looking, super fun time all the way through uh, on PlayStation 5 there. Uh, Nathan, did you get a chance to play uh, Ratchet and Clank? I haven't yet because I'm doing the masochistic uh, journey of playing through all the old ones before I get to this one. But I am excited to play it. It's going to awesome. feel like buttery smooth to you, my man. I definitely think this should be in conversation. Um I, I'm surprised it's kind of like dropped off everyone's mind considering like how good the gunplay is and how open and fun the levels are. It's so great exploring. It's so great finding all the pocket dimensions. Uh, it really is like one of those games that doesn't super overstay its welcome too, uh, which I appreciate in a world where I am a just spoiled gamer. Is there any uh, last title that either of you want to mention that make sure it gets talked about that you're going to be uh, putting on your list? Nathan. I haven't played it yet, but just from sheer hype for it and just from everything I've heard about it, I think Metroid Dread will probably be up there as well, just because it's just a long time coming. For sure. That's uh, another one that I'm interested in as well. A bunch of these uh, titles are kind of uh, rapid releasing now that we're here at the end of the year, so I'm hoping that I've got enough time to fit it in. I mean, e even if I don't, uh, by the end of the year, that I, I want to play that one as well. 
Uh, Vince, are there are there any missing from this discussion that you want to make sure to shout out? Ghosts of Tsushima Director's Cut. That's right. It was made for the PS5. It's got exclusive content. All y'all can be a hater if you want, but I am standing firm in my belief that this is uh, should be in discussion for Game of the Year. All right. And uh, just on one more that I'm definitely interested in checking out um, is Life is Strange True Colors. Um, this game uh, has gotten surprisingly uh great reviews and i was a big fan of the first uh entry didn't really finish uh the second game in the series um and i think they made a smart decision with this third release of just it's still episodic but all five episodes just come in one package and they're all they're all out now so you can uh play them through at your own pace which i think is really great because you know the episodic thing is still kind of cool but when three four months have passed you know i've probably forgotten about the last uh, episode and some of those decisions i made or you get a kentucky route zero and it takes years you know for the, the whole thing to wrap up but who's counting um, I think that's pretty much going to wrap things up for this episode of the Hardcore Gamer Show. Uh, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on our Game Club episode popping up in your feed at the end of each and every month. Look out for this month's episode on Control, our October 2021 Game of the Month. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Vincent. My name is Michael Colville. This has been the Hardcore Gamer Show. Gamers out. Thank you.